we get um, messages and notes on a weekly oh. basis from guys saying, you know, you saved our, you saved my life or, yep. you know, the being in the howling place has given me what I needed to, to you know, yep. to be able to have the resilience I need to do this. It's improved the quality of life. And we've done a, a couple surveys. You know, we did a survey after the last gathering of wolves retreat. Um, and I think like 97% of the respondents said that being part of man up to cancer has helped improve their quality of mm-hmm. life as they go through it. But to, to really look at that from, um, a scientific, you know, from a research point of view, yep. will will just be so amazing, uh, and really helpful for our mission to, uh, to put that research behind it. So I just want to thank you and, and, and the other folks at ORAU who are getting behind that piece of this. You're listening to further together, the ORAU podcast. Join Michael Holtz and his guests for conversations about all things ORAU. They'll talk about ORAU's storied history, our impact on an ever-changing world, our innovative scientific and technical solutions for our customers, and our commitment to the communities where we do business. Welcome to Further Together, the ORAU podcast. Welcome to Further Together, the ORAU podcast. As ever, it is me, your host, Michael Holtz from the Communications and Marketing Department at ORAU. And today, I am kind of ecstatic about this conversation. My very dear friend, Trevor Maxwell, who is the CEO, founder, president, king, I don't even, all the words of an organization that is exceedingly important to me. Um, Man Up to Cancer is joining me on the podcast today. Trevor, welcome to Further Together. Michael, thank you so much for having me. Uh, It is an honor to be here with you. Um, For anyone listening out there, Michael is one of my absolute favorite people and just a gem of a human being. Um, And also just shout out to ORAU. Uh, the tremendous work that that all of of your workers do and your staffers. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm happy to be on. Thank you. I am thrilled to have you here. Um, we have so much to talk about, and like part of me is like, let's talk about this. Let's talk about this. <laughs> but first of all, um, let's talk about what Man Up to Cancer is, because it's an organization, obviously important to you, because it was something that you conceived. Yeah. Almost quite literally in the front seat of your car one day. True. Um, <laughs> and has become a very important organization to, at a minimum, 2,500 men across North America. So, what is Man Up to Cancer? Yeah. So, um, probably later in the show, we'll get back into what it was at the beginning. But Man Up to Cancer is a nonprofit. Um, with a mission of inspiring men to connect and avoid isolation during the cancer journey. So that's really the basics of it. And how we do that is we provide peer-to-peer support through community, and we have three core programs. The first is an annual retreat for men impacted by cancer called the Gathering of Wolves. Um, The second is we provide chemo backpacks for members of our community who are going through chemotherapy, immunotherapy, other cancer treatments. And the third is that we have local chapters that have developed um, across North America and beyond now. We have about 40 40 local chapters happening where men in their local regions who are impacted by cancer can get together, um, 
occasionally see each other in person, you know, go out and um, go to a ball game or do a cultural event or have a dinner um, and also meet up on Zoom. So uh, Man Up to Cancer sort of started just before the pandemic in 2020. And mm. I didn't know what Zoom was at that point. And now pretty much <laughs> use it all the time. Um, so a lot of our guys do um, do meetups and our chapters do meetups on Zoom. Um, and, and as you said, um, sort of the core of our community is a Facebook group called Man Up to Cancer, The Howling Place, where we have about 2,500 um, men in there. And those are all, all men who are patients, survivors, caregivers, any man that um, of any age who has been impacted by cancer uh, is welcome in our community. Um, so that's uh, what it is. We just became a nonprofit organization in the past couple months at the end of 2023 um, after nearly four years of just development as a community. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been just really exciting. And, and honestly, as the founder and CEO now, kind of terrifying uh, to enter this new <laughs> um, phase, but it allows us to move into this next, you know, next phase of our life and uh, Man Up to Cancer is growing up as a nonprofit and it allows us to build our programs, build capacity and start to serve more men who are impacted by cancer. Absolutely. And for full disclosure for our listeners, I am a member of the board of directors. I am the fundraising director, which is a volunteer position um, to help ensure that um, money is coming in to make sure that we can do those three fabulous programs that we do so well. Um, Trevor, hold on, let me interrupt you on that one though. I, (laughs) I have to say like, I thought Michael was going to say no when I asked him to help us out because he's he has like 10 other jobs and he does them all so well and and with 100% of his effort and energy. So, but but man, this guy, you know, if you don't know Michael, he is a rock star in the cancer uh, community as an advocate. He's so well he's well known coast to coast and you know, he's been a member of Man Up to Cancer kind of, you know, at, just as a member and I as I was looking to build out our leadership team I couldn't think of anyone better than than Michael Holtz to come in and help us. Um, and the one place where we really need help the most is is fundraising, is to get that those dollars in so we can support these guys going through cancer. And I asked him to do it, and thank God you said yes, Michael, because you have made such a tremendous positive difference, not only in helping us to start out as a nonprofit organization and being on the board and all that, but just in your... Um, in your being you, your personality, your generosity, your spirit, your humor, um, you know, you are someone that people look up to and gravitate towards. So to have you as part of our mission has really been, uh, just a tremendous, uh, help to getting us going. And I hope we do this together for a long time. I do too. I really do. And thank you. (laughs) Thank you for all of that. Um, it is an honor. And I have to say that, you know, we talked about it for a while. I was on the fence for a little while. And then um, the Gathering of Wolves 2023 happened. Um, Gathering of Wolves is the annual retreat that Trevor talked about. And if you will imagine 110 male <laughs> survivors of cancer, many of whom are in the thick of treatment, um, as they arrive at, at Camp Duffield in Buffalo, New York. Yeah. Um, 
spending a weekend with those men. And I, and I said, I've said often, I fell in love with 110 men in one weekend. Um, cause love we it. all, we all knew each other. Like I met Trevor a year ago, March. Um, we'd known each other virtually. Right. Um, Joe Bullock, who is the chief operating officer, like all of these guys that we are connected to virtually through the howling place to meet them in person and spend a weekend just talking. I mean, the great thing, the great thing about the retreat is there's not really a program. It's a bunch of guys sitting around shooting, (laughs) shooting the shit as they say. And having conversations and learning about each other and really just digging into who we are. Mm. And most importantly, expressing affection and love and being there for each other through, you know, grieving and celebrating and, you know, all of the things that happened over the course of that weekend. I, I knew by the end of the, I think first day, I was like, (laughs) All right, <laughs> you got me. I'm yeah, in. we got you. We got you with our special sauce. Um, we did not drug Michael, if that's what you're wondering. That's right. uh, <laughs> that's right. um, but I, but it makes me think of the name of our organization itself, which can be a little um, challenging for some because they hear the name "Man Up to Cancer," and usually when you hear that phrase "Man Up," you know what are Michael like? What are the some of the things that you think of when when people say "Man Up"? Oh yeah, just buck up and and do it and get through it. And you know we're supposed to be stoic and heroic and John Wayne it through bingo whatever we're going through, right? Yeah. So and so that's it. Like people think like you know don't you don't talk about it. You get back up on that horse. You know you don't burden others. And the secret uh, of man up to cancer is that's actually very tongue in cheek because (laughs) what we lead with really is heart and we model showing vulnerability as a man. Um, even if, even if that's just to say I'm having a hard time and I really could use some help. We, that is the core of of who we are is that vulnerability, uh, mixed with that toughness. We definitely have that there, but also, um, just that saying, I love you and supporting each other as men and having a brotherhood that is, that is unapologetically loving toward each other, genuinely supportive, um, so I, I called it man up to cancer because uh, again, like in a tongue in cheek way, what I'm trying to do is say that man up isn't just about being tough and it's about having the courage to accept help along the way yep. through life's greatest challenges. One of which is cancer. Absolutely. So part of this is really challenging culture and, and redefining culture to say that that old version of manning up just doesn't help you live your best life. It doesn't help you get through cancer. That's for sure. Um, so I just wanted to touch on that in case people are, you know, some, some people get turned off by it, but once they even look at our website or look at any of our content, they're like, Oh, these oh, guys are different. Yeah. Like they, they're actually, um, pretty progressive guys. And it's that dual edged sword, right? Cause on the one hand you've got men are supposed to be stoic and heroic and men up and, and just got yeah. through it. And on the other hand, we are unashamedly affectionate toward each other, right? Yeah. And societal societal views writ large about male to male affection, you know, is is not good, right? It's it's there are lots of 
biases and lots of opinions about that. And um, Manape Cancer is an organization (laughs) unlike any I have ever been a part of in terms of that level of open heartedness. And, and, you know, you say open heart warrior spirit is kind of the motto of um, man up to cancer. And it's true. Like we come into this open hearted fighting together, you know, the whole, the, the strength of the wolf is the pack. The strength of the pack is the wolf is we're better together. And, and I chose the, so I decided to use the wolf pack um, and the wolf as, as really the motif, the, the theme for all things man up to mm-hmm. cancer, because, because of the way wolves care for one another, um, you know, they are very social creatures. If one wolf is sick or injured, the other wolves are not going to abandon that wolf. They're going to circle with that wolf and make sure he's protected so that he can heal. And if that wolf passes away, they grieve, they have, a, they have mourning rituals. Um, so it was my thinking, like, why as men, why aren't we doing that for one another? Why are we supposed to handle this all on our own? Um, so that's why the wolf, uh, motif exists. And, and to your point on, you know, this idea of men supporting men in a, in a loving way, that is nothing new. It goes back to the Mm -hmm. dawn of time, um, where, you know, and I will say like in the cancer community, there are spaces for women to support women. There Absolutely. are spaces that are co-ed and there are spaces that are men supporting men and that's okay. Um, that's a very healthy thing. I think, I think if you talk to any of the partners, spouses, loved ones of the men who are in man up to cancer, they will tell you uh, many oh. times they will tell you that their man is better and, and is kinder and, and more compassionate and has more, uh, it, is just better off because of his interactions with other men in our group. And that's one of the really cool things that I've seen come out of it. Absolutely. And we, yeah, we've seen that. I know in messages that we get, you know, in the howling place and, and from spouses of men in the group on a regular basis, how meaningful the organization is to their men. Well, um, and, and the bottom line is w- when you help a man who is impacted by cancer, especially who is going through a really emotional, tough time, and they're not supposed to talk about it or share about mm-hmm. it. When you help that man, when you give him support, when you give him people to lean on, that also helps their loved ones, their families, their communities. It, it helps that individual, that man really become back engaged in life in many ways. I know that was true for me. Um, I really struggled with mental health, particularly early on in my cancer journey with, with anxiety and depression and isolation and, um, having the support of, of others, especially men who are going through the same challenge really has helped me regain my footing and get back to being the dad and the husband and the person, um, that I want to be. So Trevor, talk about the, the moment. And I know it wasn't just a single moment, but yeah. The moment that you put on video, basically, that said, <laughs> this is the moment that I'm deciding that this is happening, that man up to cancer is going to be a thing. Yeah. So this one will probably be a little long. Um, I, you know, so I was diagnosed with stage four colorectal cancer in, in March of 2018. So I'm coming up on six years of um, being in the thick of that. I've had seven major abdominal surgeries. I've done a bunch of chemotherapy, immunotherapy. So I've 
been in the trenches for quite some time. And again, like I said, early on, so 2018, 2019, I was, <clears throat> my mental health, you know, dealing with all the physical stuff of cancer, the surgeries, um, the chemo, like all that stuff, like I could handle that, but it was the mental challenge. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was the mental health. It was the going through the anxiety, the depression, the fear, like our girls were 12 and 10 years old when I was diagnosed. And I thought, you know, I'm, I'm a goner and I'm going to leave my family behind and I'm failing my kids. And I was ashamed and like dealing with all the, all those things. And I was, I went to bottom. I really hit rock bottom to the point of where my will to live was really hanging in the balance. And I got, I was really, really fortunate because I have a wife and and a family who, you know, I wanted to just go out in the woods and disappear and say, you know, I'm a burden to you. I I don't want to do this. I I just want to let you be. And my wife's like, uh, nope, that's not happening. (laughs) (laughs) And and she's like, you know, we need you. Like we need you here. It doesn't matter how long your life is. We need you here to be you. We need, we need Trevor in our lives. And I got some tough love and realized that I was in a pit that I could not crawl out of myself. Mm. And I think that's some people, some guys, if you're going through that emotional, if you're in that emotional pit where you cannot see a way out of it and you don't think you're ever going to get better, sometimes you need people around you to show you that you can. But, but, but getting to that point where you acknowledge that you need help. See, when we talk about guys and our stubbornness and our emotions, like that's, that's often the sticking point. Fortunately for me, like I got there, my family helped me get there, but I was there. I was like, I need help. So I started reaching out. Um, I started reaching out to the Dempsey center, which is a Mm -hmm. wonderful resource here in the state of Maine that provides all kinds of free services to patients and our families from counseling, individual counseling, group counseling, um, exercise, nutrition, like all the different things that provide holistic care outside of the treatment for cancer. So I started going there and Mm -hmm. I started going to counseling, individual and group. And I started finding people online through Colon Town and um, the Colon Club and Fight CRC through these groups where, you know, I thought I was the only one at age 41 diagnosed with colon cancer and turns out there's thousands of us, um, but you just have to find them. So fast forward, um, as I was accessing all this help and I, I was starting to turn around. Like I, that's, that's when my life started to turn around when I got the help from others online and the Dempsey center and elsewhere, I started crawling out of that pit. And as I started getting better, that was like the light bulb moment for me was like every resource that I went to online Dempsey center, no matter what, it was always 75 to 80% plus women who were engaged with those resources and 25% or less men who were engaged with those resources. And at first I was like, okay, this just means that I'm an outlier, you know, that, that men, most men don't really need help, that they're not struggling, that they're fine. And I'm just, I I thought I was weak. You know, right. like, I, I guess I'm just weak and I, I can't handle it. But then I was like, that, that cannot be true. <laughs> and I started to come up with this thought. I was like, maybe there's men out there feeling the same things that I've felt going through the same 
just trauma, emotional trauma that I'm going through, but they don't feel comfortable accessing those supports or right. they, for many reasons, um, not the least of which would be the, the stigma around men asking for help. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I'm like, you know, there, ha- I, I bet you there's all kinds of men out there feeling the same things, going through the, the same stuff, but not feeling like they can do anything about it. Just feeling alone and isolated. And I was like, that's when I was like, I need to, I should do something like, because I always wanted to take the hand that was dealt me and, and do something positive with it. And my wife, yet again, Sarah, she encouraged me. She's like, you have skills, you know? So my background is in journalism and public relations and communications. She's like, and I also am one of these people that tends to be able to relate to guys from any background. And, and she was like, you know, you, you can be that bridge. Like you have the skills to start something or to do something for the guys going through cancer who aren't accessing those traditional resources. And so this was the end of 2019. And I was like, you know what, you're right. And I, and I was starting to feel like I was kind of shot out of a cannon. Um, I, I was like, I'm ready to be an advocate. I went to <laughs> Colon town, invited me to, uh, empowered leadership, um, training in San Diego, um, that November, which was massive for my development as an advocate. And I came back and I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to start something. And at the same time, I was like obsessively watching documentaries on wolves. Um, I was also on a high dose of prednisone at the time uh. for, uh, <laughs> immunotherapy related, um, inflammation and Whoa. anyone, who, yeah, anyone who's been on, uh, anybody who's been on prednisone, especially like, and my dose was like 60 milligrams, which, you know, if you're on 60 milligrams of prednisone, you're not sleeping and you're just wired and you're coming up with all kinds of ideas. I do not (laughs) recommend this as a recreational, uh, this is not something to try at home people. But for me, everything came together and I came up with that. I was like, I want to do this thing called man up to cancer. And at the time I was just a content person. So I was like, I'm just going to, one of the things that really frustrated me too was like everything you saw from men in the cancer space was either just like, it wasn't real. Like all right. the content out there, the magazine right, articles, right. the blogs, like the people weren't really talking about what it's like to go through cancer as a man. And I'm like, you and, know what? I'm just going to start talking about it. So I most started of it writing was created, about it. Most of it yeah. was created by women. Right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually true. Um, so I started, you know, I started a website. Um, I started blogging about it and I planned for a podcast and I just thought I'm going to just, I want to start this thing called man up to cancer where myself and I could, uh, the whole vision was to gather a bunch of role models who would show the world what, what, what it's really like with no filters and to be real and raw about it. Um, because I felt like that's something that could help me. And also just to be honest about it and talk about like, Hey, yeah, I, I've struggled with depression, anxiety. I'm not ashamed of it anymore. Like, I'm not going to be ashamed of that. Like that's real. And it's, and it's actually, I've learned that it's very common. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, so that was the beginning of, uh, 2020, uh, started it and then the phenomenon that is joe bullock uh shout out (laughs) to our buddy down in durham north carolina that's right he 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 saw the group that i was creating and he came on board guns a blazing i was like i this is what i want to do too and so then between the two of us we just got to work and and we just started doing content and creating the community and the facebook group just started growing and that was four years ago 
And now it has snowballed into an actual nonprofit organization that's, you know, up and running and uh, hopefully is going to be around for a long time. Absolutely. I am proudly one of the OG <gasps> Facebook group members from yes. December 31st, 2019, when <laughs> the Howling Place originally opened its doors. Um, Did Joe find you too? Joe found me too. Yeah. Because, <laughs> um, you know, on social media, if you talked about colon cancer, allowed you know at that time well and when i was diagnosed there weren't a lot of people talking openly about their cancer experiences anyway so right. by 2019 there were certainly more and i was connected to joe and i may have been connected to you and others yeah. and you know he invites everyone he knows who's ever talked about colon cancer for sure to be part of that first group and you know um that's how I started and, um, you know, lurked in and out for a while. And, you know, the great thing about it is like, you can be as involved as you want or not. Oh yeah, and, absolutely. Um, you know, eventually just like kept feeling this gravitational pull to like <laughs> Trevor Maxwell and Joe and the guys. And, um, you know, I, so man up to cancer didn't exist when I was diagnosed in 2012. Um, there weren't a lot of resources. So I did, you know, I did the co-ed support groups, which were great and they were helpful and beneficial. I have no knock yeah. against that, but there are things that <laughs> men are not going to talk about in a support group with other women, just as women are not going to talk about certain topics in 100%. a support group with other men. So the need is great and selfishly yes. just um in addition to the fact that i love man up to cancer and i love you and we we are you know very close friends yep um i am very passionate about the issue of men's mental health in the cancer space and um this white paper that i've talked about on the podcast several times um, one of the recommendations is a study of the benefits of peer-to-peer -peer support for men facing cancer. And so hopefully a research project will be done that quantifies what we're doing. You right. and I know, you and right. the rest of the leadership team and the guys in the group know instinctively um, from anecdotal evidence that what Man Up to Cancer does benefits guys. There is no doubt about right. it. Yes. Um, we want to be able to measure that. Yeah. And to be yeah. able to say, this is what we're doing from a quantifiable data-driven perspective because data drives grant dollars and data drives some fundraising. And so, it's, yeah, it's really exciting. I mean, when you first told me this idea, I was just thrilled because we do know, right. We do know anecdotally and we, we get um, messages and notes on a weekly oh. basis from guys saying, you know, you saved our, you saved my life or, yep. you know, the being in the howling place has given me what I needed to, you know, yep. to be able to have the resilience I need to do this. It's improved the quality of life. And we've done a, a couple surveys, you know, we did a survey after the last gathering of wolves retreat. Um, and I think like 97% of the respondents said that being part of man up to cancer has helped improve their quality of mm -hmm. life as they go through it. But to, to really look at that from um, a scientific, you know, from a research point of view, yep. will we'll just be so amazing uh, and really helpful for our mission. 
to uh, to put that research behind it. So I just want to thank you and 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 the other folks at ORAU who are getting behind that piece of this. I think you know there's very little out there for male peer to peer support. So yep. to be able to look at it from a scientific lens um, is really going to help. Yeah, I'm I'm really personally thrilled, but organizationally excited for the possibility that that and the doors that that can open um, for the organization, but just for the research, because again, there's not a lot of research being done on peer to peer support because there isn't, there isn't a lot out there Um, unless you're a guy with prostate cancer. There seems to be a ton of support for men in the prostate cancer space, but for those of us who are in colorectal or breast cancer, because um, guys do get breast cancer, as we know, because um, we have a number of guys in the organization who are breast cancer patients or survivors, um, that male-to-male support isn't there. So being able to quantify that and measure and, and all of those things, I think, is going to be huge in a lot of arenas, not just ours. So yeah, absolutely. I'm and and one that. of the things that, you know, so being a journalist by training, um, I had, you know, when I started Man Up to Cancer, I knew instinctually what the need was, but I did a, I did a pretty, as thorough as I could do review of literature around isolation, mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, isolation and its impacts on, um, people going through cancer. And, and what I found was, yes, absolutely. Men tend to isolate at a higher rate than women when, when facing cancer or any other life threatening illness for mostly cultural reasons, obviously, but then the consequences of that. So people who isolate going through cancer have higher risk of mental health problems, higher risk of suicide, um, higher risk of having relationships break. So marriages or other relationships and the kicker people who isolate going through cancer have worse medical outcomes. Yep. So when I talk to people about, you know, getting support, whether it's man up to cancer or any other support, you know, resources that are out there and there are many i talk about those three consequences because this is not just like kumbaya let's to get get together and hold hands and like we're getting through this together like there's concrete scientific evidence out there that will tell us that isolation has really harmful consequences and can cost you your life if you're going through cancer alone um so i just wanted to, to mention that and i think what you're working on with this white paper will really scaffold on that yeah, one of the alarming statistics that I discovered in, in my research was the rate of suicide among men who are diagnosed with cancer. Um, a, about 13,000 people a year commit suicide after a cancer diagnosis, which is crazy. 83% of those are men. And I, so I was ha- in a conversation with a group of folks the other day, and one of the people said, well, you know, men have the highest rate of suicide generally, so right. that's not surprising. And I said, well, it may not be surprising, <laughs> but it points out that there's a huge problem. Right. Why does it and, need to be surprising to be something that is worth our, uh, our you know, attention? Like, it's a huge problem. If, if men's mental health without cancer, (laughs) right? Without cancer in the picture is a huge crisis. And it seems like it is throw cancer in the mix and you've 
just lit an even bigger fire. So we got to do something. hundred percent. And it reminds me of like when I started Man Up to Cancer or even now, like some people will be like, when I tell them about the 75%, I call it the three to one rule that women are accessing supports at a three to one rate versus men. Some people just shrug, you know, like, okay, well, men don't want help. Tough. They don't want, they don't, it's up to them. It's like, why don't we care? Right. You know, I think we should care enough about men in our culture who, who really, you know, are broken, you know? And it's like, I just can't imagine having that attitude where it's like, Oh, well, that's just the way it is. Well, it doesn't just because it's the way it is. Doesn't mean that it's right. And it doesn't, and it doesn't mean that it has to always be like that. So your point on that, you you know, we need to do better with men's mental health overall, but overall, when cancer is layered on to your point, that just brings things, it brings that, that, um, pot to a boil. And, um, that's, that's one of the aspects that we're working on. And one of the, one of the interesting things that I've found in, in being a member of Man Up to Cancer and, and talking to you and being available to support other guys is the need is different depending on the individual. So yeah. there are some guys that, you know, they want to talk to somebody and you'll be on the phone with them for <laughs> an hour and, you know, sometimes longer, just depending. And yep. then there are other guys, you know, there was a situation that I was in not long ago where someone posted and said, you know, is anyone available to talk? And I'm like, here's my number. Give me a call. All he wanted was to be acknowledged that he was in a tough spot and he was feeling a lot of pain and he knew I couldn't do anything about it, but he just wanted someone to know. I feel like crap and I hurt physically because of treatment. And that's all, you know, to be heard, to be seen. The conversation didn't go any, you know, he didn't need anything else except for someone to acknowledge and to see him in his moment of pain. And he said, thank you for, you know, calling. And, you know, and I know you've been in those kind of conversations where it's, you know, (laughs) you're talking someone off a ledge on the one hand, or you're just recognizing someone. Yeah, absolutely. That witnessing that's, that's rare in our culture. And I think we're, we're doing it really well with, with man up to cancer is sometimes it's just active witnessing and, and active listening. Yep. Um, sometimes that's all someone needs is to know they're not alone and and it it sounds trite, but that's what humans are all about. Right. And that's, that gets at that isolation piece. You know, some people don't have that in their lives and I'm, you know, painfully aware that a lot of the guys who are part of the man up to cancer community, they don't have the family that I have. Mm -hmm. They don't have the friends that I have. Like they are, a lot of them are very isolated. Um, and so we're fortunate to be able to have that backstop, right? So they can go on our, they can go in the, the Facebook group and say, Hey, is anyone available for a chat? And there's always, there is always, always multiple people who are there for them. Absolutely. Which is remarkable and a wonderful part of what our organization does. Yeah. And it, not, you know, there are what, 14 people on the leadership team. It's not yeah. just the leadership team. It's 
members of the organization who make themselves available, right? Yeah, absolutely. And we, you know, for, for structural purposes to now that we're a nonprofit, you know, it's, a, we have to have a, a structure, we have to have a leadership right. team and that's normal. But I would say that, uh, titles don't make leaders. Nope. A- actions make leaders. And, absolutely. and, and if you're looking at that, we have literally dozens of guys, if not hundreds in our community who are leaders and they show that all the time by how they treat one another. And I just couldn't be prouder of, of the group of guys that engage in our community. And the work that we do, the can be very hard sometimes. Right. Um, Oh yeah. Because like a wolf pack, we grieve, you know, the, members that we of the pack that we lose who are in hospice who you know we fret and worry when you know you're having surgery when other members are you know in treatment having emergency surgeries for whatever um and we rally around each other always yeah and i think you know we share not only do we share the burden of, of cancer together, but we share the burden of, of that grief as well. And in that way, we can um, cope a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, we can cope a lot better because we know that, you know, we're all sharing that burden. And and I, I will say, like, there are the, the science behind cancer support groups is clear that it's beneficial. Right. But there are still people who still professionals out there who caution people against making friends with others with cancer Mm. because of, well, you're going to make these great friends and then they're going to die. And it's like, well, that's true. But (laughs) would a per like, so does that mean that people shouldn't befriend me? Right. Or or if, if you're that person, these relationships, you know, I always say, the grief that we have in losing our friends is only eclipsed by the joy we have in knowing them. Yep. I would never give up these, these relationships that I've had. And oh. yes, I've lost people who are close to me and that's being human and that's cancer. Um, but I would never take that away from my life. Like I, I cherish those relationships mm-hmm. and they're meaningful to me, even though those people are no longer physically with me here on this earth, they, they're still my friends and they're still important to me. And I want the same for myself, right? Like, I don't want people to abandon me because I have stage four cancer and they're worried about getting close to me, you know? So to me, that argument is just, it's a false one. Um, there's no safe you can't, there's no safe way to get through this, um, human experience, um, by not befriending people like, or not, um, you know, engaging in, in all these relationships. I mean, I'm being really inarticulate about this at the moment, but it just, it, it strikes me as offensive that, you know, that people would, would say, well, don't, you know, don't make these friends because you're going to lose them. I hate to mm. remind everyone, but we're all going there at some point. <laughs> we're all going. There. <laughs> and well, you know, and I, I've had people at, you know, well, how can you keep doing this? How can you? And I'm like, um, because I have to, I mean, I, I've told you, I feel called very specifically yes. to this organization. But aside from that, as you said, 
you know, and C.S. Lewis says the same thing. Like mm. the grief that we feel is the deal, right? Part of the deal with loving somebody is there's going to be grief at right. some point because that person isn't going to be here anymore. That's um, right. And, you know, my best friend in the world <laughs> has stage four colon cancer and I don't... <laughs> I'm going to be the best GD friend I can. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because <laughs> neither Absolutely. of us knows. We don't know. And, you know, we, Ryan and I had the conversation at gathering of wolves last year. You know, we do the, we do this, the fire of remembrance where we're, we're calling the names of the guys who passed away during the previous year. And it occurred to me, like, as we're sitting there, like next year I could be reading your name. And he was like, yeah. well, Next year, I could be reading your name too. So, like, and I can, you know, that's an honor. That's an honor of a lifetime, you know. Absolutely. I, of course, sometimes, like, you know, that the cumulative effect of losing so many people, especially when I'm, you know, in this organization, that's part of the experience of, of my work. Um, but I wouldn't have it any other way. Like, mm -mm. it's the privilege of a lifetime to Absolutely. be able to have these friendships and to help walk the, some of these people to help walk them home. Yep. And, and I would, I, it's going to be an honor when it's my time. And I know that you and so many others are going to be there to walk me home. And Absolutely. that's what we do. Like that's, yep. and is that deep and serious sometimes and hard? Like, yeah, it yep. is. It's <laughs> not, it, you have to like, like, like you just said, and like Lee Silverstein said the other day when I talked to him that, Grief is the price you pay for love. Yep. And man, I want to love as much as I possibly can in Absolutely. this earthly form. Um, so, and, and another thing that I usually do is, you know, you, you can't let every law when you're in my job, you can't let every death in the, in the group crush you to the point where you can't function because there are people depending on me. Absolutely. And I know that those people that we lose would want me to rise up and continue to do this work, right? Like they don't want me to fall apart either. So I think of, I think of some of the guys every morning, like Jared McMillan, for example, um, right. Mac, we called him iron wolf, you know, just such an inspiring force in the howling place. And I think of him and I get up and I'm like, you know, what would Jared want right now in this moment? And I just hear him being like, go crush this day. Like just go crush this day. And that doesn't have to be like, you know, running a marathon or climbing a mountain. It can mean having that phone call with someone who needs it yep. or taking one of my daughters out to lunch. Right. But like one of the ways that I can honor those men that have passed away is to live my life to the fullest and to live the days that are given to me. Yeah. And to share that love with another person. Right. Oh. So you keep it going. Um, and I, I don't, initially I struggled and we talked about this, um, kind of in, in my being on the wall about, or on the fence about joining the leadership team of like, I'm an 11, 12 year survivor, like what's all of these guys are like in the middle of it. 
and I remember Jason Reese at one of the, I don't remember which mm. fire. He was like, dude, you're the hope for all of us. Like, you know, 100%. and what, regardless of, of that, what I hope I bring to the table and what I hope the guys see, and I know you see it is just the love and the heart and the affection for all of these guys and the favorite part of any event um, where I've gotten to see you or, you know, Jason Reese or other guys from Ryan from man up to cancer is to have that long, awkward hug where, (laughs) you know, you feel the other person like literally relax in your embrace because you're together yeah, and you're in that place and you're safe and you're cared for and um, loved. And that is a huge part of what man up to cancer means to me personally is this is the thing I can, if I can't do anything else, (laughs) if I didn't raise another flipping dollar (laughs) for, you know, if the only thing I can do is love a bunch of other men through life, cancer or otherwise, then that's enough. Oh, is more than enough. And we all see that in you it's every part of your being like you shine that through and there's some people who just do that and you bring that you also bring that hope as a long-term survivor and let's be frank like man up to cancer as an organization needs people who are long-term survivors or and even people who aren't in the cancer trenches to contribute to our mission to be big parts of our mission I think of you 10 plus years. I think of Joe, who's now Mm -hmm. five years, no evidence of disease. You know, our leadership team, you know, many of us are stage four and our prognoses, you know, we know what that is. Like I'm, I'm still looking at a terminal prognosis. We don't know exactly what that's going to look like for years, but the, the, the hard fact of the matter is the leadership of man up to cancer is going to turn over at a rapid rate. That's just, you know, cancer kills people. I mean, let's not sugarcoat it. Just because we're doing something good with our diagnosis doesn't mean we have any protective qualities. Um, That's right. But, but, but I, my desire, the hope of my heart is that Man Up to Cancer grows as an organization and becomes a go-to place for thousands of men who are going through cancer over the years. And I might not be around to see the seed grow into this massive tree, but I, I so badly want it to grow into that tree. And for it to do that, we need people like you. We need, we need people who are going to be here, um, for the long haul. And and that's, you know, we can't shy away from that. You know, we can't pretend that we're always going to be around. Like the faces around the table for man up to cancer are going to change. But the mission is going to remain the same. And um, I, I, I really believe that this organization can step into this void and, and be something really special for a long time. Um, and I thank you for being one of those people who sees that and who wants to 
you know, has the passion for it. That's what we need. We need people who have a passion for the mission and realizing that it's not always going to be the same group of guys. So I was having a similar conversation with my mom last night um, about grieving and she's grieving the loss of her partner of 10 years. And, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Um, you know, still, you know, grief isn't linear. So it's been a while and, yep. you know, she, on the one hand, she worries about how long it's been. And I'm like, dude, like there's no, like you effectively lost your second husband, you know, they, Wisconsin doesn't have common law marriage. So they, you know, and they weren't married, but they were together for 10 yeah. years. And, yep. you know, I said, and this grief is different. And like, we walked through all of those conversations. And I said, you know, I remember when I was in the thick of treatment, there were people who disappeared from the picture in the middle of treatment because they couldn't deal with it. I said, I said, honestly, I feel like a first responder, you know, at yeah. the World Trade Center. Like, I'm running up those stairs. I don't give a shit. Excuse my language. <laughs> what happens to me? I'm running up those stairs. I'm running to the guys who need help, who need support, who need the love because they may not have it anywhere else. Spot on, man. I got nothing to add on that. Let's just so. mic drop. <laughs> so anyway, I, bottom line for, yeah. All of that. So, um, before I let you go, yeah. Um, first of all, I just want to say if you're a guy listening to this podcast and you are a cancer survivor, you're in the thick of treatment, come and check us out. If you are not already part of Man Up to Cancer, visit our website, manuptocancer.org. Yes, we have a Facebook group, but we are working diligently. If you are not on social media, Yep. To connect you to the things that we do without having to be in Facebook, on Facebook. So that's a huge, huge goal of ours for this year. So you don't have to be on social media to be part of Man Up to Cancer. We would love to send you a backpack. We would love to see, get you connected to the chapter nearest you. Um, maybe see you at the Gathering of Wolves 2024. Happening first weekend in September. <laughs> More details to come. Um, but visit the website, manuptocancer.org. Um, so Trevor does a podcast, the Man Up to Cancer podcast, which is awesome. Um, and he ends his podcast with the gauntlet of questions, of random questions. So... I've been on the Man Up to Cancer podcast and been through the gauntlet, so I'm turning the tables, buddy. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. I think you can handle this. Okay. So. I'm just going to slap my face a couple of times. To get <laughs> Question number one, what's your favorite holiday? Man, put me on the spot. It's got to be Thanksgiving just because um, my mother's side of the family has a huge and and loving uh, th there's lots of them they hug a lot and intensely and i'm like that too so whenever nice. it's thanksgiving we know we're going to hang out with all of my cousins on that side of the family and there's going to be wine to be had there's going to be um tons of hugs and it's going to be chaos 
Like there's just probably going to be like five dogs running around. There's always new kids running around. Like it's just beautiful chaos and it's, it's very loving. So, and that's one thing that, you know, I've done ever since I was a little kid. So I would say, I would say Thanksgiving. Awesome. Beach or mountains? And I know where you live. So, Jeez. so yeah, I, li- I literally live. I can see the Atlantic ocean from the room that I'm in now. Um, that's nice. how close we live to the coast of Maine, but mountains are, have always been part of my story and, and a place that we go regularly. So this is really tough, man. Um, <laughs> you're making me choose if I have to pick one, believe it or not, even though I can see the ocean, I got to go with mountains. There's just something okay. about hiking. Um, even if it's just an easy hike, you know, nothing crazy. Um, just being in the forest being, you know, walking with hike, walking or hiking with my wife, our kids, our friends, or even just solo. There's something about being on a hill in the mm-hmm. forest that appeals to, to my soul deeply. And it's a sacred place for me. So I'm going mountains. Mountains. I like it. Um, if you could live anywhere in the world, where would you live? Well, besides right here, because honestly, like I am blessed that some Scottish people were brought here by as prisoners of the British, like in the early late 1600s, early 1700s. That's how the Maxwells ended up in New England was being indentured servants for the British. And they they had to work five years in a mill. And then basically it's like, okay, go, go off and farm now. So like, so my dad, I'm, I, I, I like, I think I'm like 10th generation Maxwell to live on this land. Um, awesome. and, and they were all farmers until okay. my dad, my dad was in the, you know, grew up in the fifties, sixties when everyone was getting off the farm. It was like, right. go to school, get educated. He became an English teacher, um, and other stuff. But like, so I come from, a, that's why I'm, you know, I'm not quite as big as you, Michael, but I'm a good six, four, you know, two twenty, two thirty. Like I was built to, um, move heavy things, but now I sit at a, at a desk and type on a computer. Um, mm-hmm. anyways, um, so I'm going to leave it at that actually. Like okay. I, I would not rather live any other place like being here in Cape Elizabeth, Maine with roots that go back hundreds of years and I can walk this property and know that I'm walking in the same spot as my ancestors mm-hmm. is some is a gift that not very many people have. Absolutely. And I never want to take that for granted. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to stay right here. I don't need to go anywhere else. <laughs> All right. Um, if you could choose a superpower, what oh would you choose? Gosh, so you keep punishing me with these. These are truly diabolical. <laughs> uh I think it would be to like, to know what my wife is actually thinking when she says something to me, Uh, you know, because as a, as like a caveman guy, women in my experience, especially wives have a, there's a subtextual, um, language going on. mm -hmm. And, you know, she expects me to, to know when she says like, you know, do you want, Hey, do you want to go out to dinner tonight? That, that I'm you know, have to supposed to have the prediction, like, no, I'd rather have like a cozy, um, you know, relax here and watch a show with you or yeah, let's go out and have a great time. (laughs) So usually I'm just like, you know, but I think there's like something under there. It's like, they really want you to mind read, but I suck at it. So I'm like, well, what do you want to do? And that's like, "Eh, wrong answer. Um, so I think it would be 
to have a, a that I might regret that superpower over time. But having uh, getting a translation of what my wife really means when she asks me such questions. <laughs> gotcha. I like that. Um, and last question, and this is not technically part of the gauntlet of random questions because I ask this question of all right, all right. many of my guests. Trevor Maxwell, what brings you joy? My family. Um, mm. You know, like I said, Sage was 12 and Elsie was 10 when I got diagnosed with cancer. And I didn't, there's plenty of times along the way when I didn't know how many more moments that I would get with them. Mm-hmm. And this summer they're going to turn 19 and 17. And every, you know, all the, all these moments, all the sports games, the concerts, the, the graduations now, the, Simple times laughing together, watching a movie, um, taking a walk, seeing them thrive and and live their lives and grow has been the gift of my life. And, you know, when when you are facing a life-threatening illness, none of those moments are lost on you. Right. You know, they all, they all matter so much. Um, I remember specifically um, in the fall, my daughter was a, is a um, junior in high school playing on the volleyball team. Um, and, and then my other daughter is a freshman at University of New Hampshire and she's a singer. And, and so there's this game and Sage sings the national anthem oh and, and it's just beautiful, amazing. Like the whole crowd is just blown away. And then Elsie is out there playing in the game and my wife and my cousin and my aunt and my dad are all up in the stands. And I got to be one of the line judges. Um, Parents get to be the line judges in the volleyball games. And I could just sit back and see Sage and see Elsie and see all my family up there. And that's when the gift of cancer comes in because you will never cherish a moment like that so much unless you're facing something that, has put your life really at risk. And it was one of those absolutely beautiful, um, tableaus that I will never forget. So this is a long winded answer to your question, (laughs) but what, what brings me joy is the moments that, um, weren't promised to me, but thank God were, have been given to me. Awesome. Great answer. I love that. You're getting to me, Michael. You're getting me going here. (laughs) (laughs) I knew it was going to happen. Might be tears at the end of the podcast after all. (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah, but thank you again. And thanks to ORAU. Like, this has just been a great time talking to you. And and I learned something. You know, when we have these conversations, I'm always learning from you. And just appreciate you, man, so much. I love you. Back at you. Love you too, brother. And I can't wait to see you in person, hopefully sometime soon. Um, but in the meantime, <laughs> there will be meetings and there will be <laughs> Zoom Absolutely. calls. Um, Trevor, thank you so much for this opportunity. I really appreciate you being here. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Further Together, the ORAU podcast. To learn more about any of the topics discussed by our experts, visit www.orau.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn at ORAU and on Instagram 
at O-R-A-U Together. If you like Further Together, the O-R-A-U podcast, we would appreciate you giving us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your reviews will help more people find the podcast.